Rosie, you ready? Did you hear that? <gasps> I did. Oh. oh. Welcome to the World of Horror bonus podcast. I'm Mom. And I'm Mac. And I'm Quinn. And this is the podcast where we share our love of international horror. Fear is universal, but we are not afraid of subtitles. Wowhoos! This week we thought it might be fun to look back on our fave five watches of 2021. These aren't necessarily the best movies we watched or even necessarily the ones we watched from last year. There are plenty of podcasts out there right now who are doing that kind of thing. We just thought it might be nice to have a conversation about the movies we watched last year that we enjoyed the most. And maybe, if we have time, what we enjoyed the least. Let's move on to our first segment, Mom and Mac and Quinn Chat. Hey, Mac. Hey, Quinn. How's it going? Hey, Christina. How are y'all? Okay. It's New Year's Eve Mm -hmm. in the big city. Every city? (sighs) Yeah, the big city that is (laughs) the world. I. I, (sighs) Well, okay. I hate this time of year, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And it's like... Also weird because it's like 70 degrees outside, even though it's going to be like 45 in a couple of days, I guess. But like if we could just like cut November to middle of February, you just cut yeah. that out. That would Get be out of here. Yeah. I kind of do like the week in between Christmas and New Year's, though, because I feel like it's kind of like a limbo where like you don't have to do anything. Well, as pretty privileged take, like if you obviously have to work and you do have to do stuff but it's like family stuff is done and now it's just coasting until the new year Mm -hmm. at least that's what i like to do with it yeah i feel like there are no expectations for anything in that week in between and there was a meme i think it was out like several years ago where it was just indicating that we all eat cheese during that week yeah (laughs) (laughs) cheese week what are your favorite cheeses? Oh, extra sharp. Oh, me too. I like cheddar. I like there's this cheese that they serve at the Angus Barn that is so good, but I don't know what it's <laughs> what kind of cheese it is. I know it's just the cheese that they have at the Angus Barn. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I like um, curds a lot mm. in, in the style of cheese, you know, because I like them to squeak between my teeth. Mac, have you ever had cheese curds? I have. Like, I think that they're gross, but I respect everybody else's uh, opinion. I also feel like this is because, Quinn, it, like, b- where where did you grow up again? Michigan. Yeah, I feel like you just eat cheese curds. Yeah. If you go, like, and same thing with Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like just, More so. But I just feel like that's not, like, a thing. Like, you, you like – anybody from the North likes cheese curds. This is my thought. Oh, they're so good. There's like nothing like them. No, there isn't. And the squeak that they make is just delightful. And I mean, even if they don't squeak, they're still good. They're not as good. No. But they're still fine. Sure, I'm going to take them any day of the week. <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Um, I'll have them any day of the week. <laughs> are you guys resolution people? Time's not real. so <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Construct, man. Yeah, so it's kind of like, what what more am I going to do when it's magically 2-2 two, two instead of 2-1? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'm not usually a resolution person and I don't like New Year's Eve because I think that it just creates all these high expectations that can never live up to reality. But I am going to do 30 days of yoga. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, you've done that before, right? Yeah, I've done it several times. Um, a lot, actually. But um, I just tried it back in October and I think I made it eight days, so I'm gonna <laughs> gotta do it this time. Um, but that yeah. also involves a lot of things I have to do before. So mm. it involves a thorough cleaning of my space in which I will yoga. That's really all it involves, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what about you, mom? Well, I think resolutions are stupid, and I always make them. So, oh. <laughs> but I. Okay, so my big my biggest thing is I don't want to order as much food to be delivered to my house. Mm, just sometimes. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm never going to do that ever again, but I mean, it's so convenient. It's so convenient, but that food is never that good for you. And no. I'm trying to get away from processed stuff. And that's tough, but I don't know, I just was writing in my journal. That's a new thing. But I was like, my gift to myself is cooking my own food and eating it in my own house. So like that might seem like very normal to some people, but I grew up with a lot of food insecurity and like a lot of weird messages around food. And I've worked through most of them now, but you know, there's residual stuff. And, but it's like, I feel like, God or the universe or whatever, like gives us all this stuff. And again, mm -hmm. like privileged position, but like I can go get a fresh, you know, green pepper and, and cucumber and celery stock today. I can like walk 10 minutes and go get that stuff. So why not get it and eat it? Yeah. <laughs> like it's real, not that hard, but it's sometimes it's it is. Hard. Yeah. It's, it's somehow, well, I feel like you get there, you can build a lot of guilt around it because in your head you're like, well, it's not, it's not that hard. It's just go get food. But also it's like, especially people who work like a full time job. And then also if you have like mental illness and issues with like executive function on top of that, it's just kind of like, you know, it might not look like much, but you kind of had to climb a really big mountain to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think everything is like, Oh, as another thing Karen told me, she said, take it slow. She said, do not rush yourself. And that is something I've been trying to think about a lot lately because I have a tendency to be like, well, I'm exercising now. So I, I'm going to do this this well every day. And then when you don't do it, you feel like such a piece of shit. And then you're like, well, I can't, I can't ever live up to this. Whereas if I just walked a little bit every day, mm -hmm. you know, it's like even if all I did for the rest of the year was walk a little bit every day. That's still more than I did before. So that would be a success. So it's like, I've been trying to approach it logically like that of just like, don't, it, I mean, it is really hard to build a habit. So if the habit you're trying to build is like, well, whole hog, I'm just going to work out for an hour every day. It's like, no, you're not. But if you decide Friday is my day where I take a walk, you know, and then even if that takes like two months and then after that is the next time you build up from there, it's still like, you could either do that or not walk at all, you, you know? So yeah, taking it slow is, I think, a good move. That's what I want to try to do. Mm, that's really good. Yeah, I love it. I um, bought a very famous 
workout program, which I won't name. They don't need my endorsement. But it's a half well, now hour. Now you got to say. Huh? Now you got to say what it is. Beach you body. cut it out. Be- oh, okay. But it's it's a beach body is an MLM, but you don't have to do the MLM and I'm not. Yeah. Um, but but I never wanted to give them money because I'm like, I don't want to support that kind of fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing the dance workouts. They're a half hour every day and they're fucking fun. That's great. And so it's like, I'm going to do them. Like the other day I was like, oh, I could sleep some more. And then I was like, or I could get up and do that. It's only half Aww. hour and I'm going to have fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate yoga, Quinn, but you like it. So that's good. <laughs> and um, I feel better when I work out. So I think this is going to be good because yeah. I, I enjoy it. That's lovely. Yeah. I love the, I used to do Pio. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. It was tough, though. And, you know, I don't do yoga for exercise. I just do it. For quitting, doing whatever else I'm doing and breathing and focusing on something that is not just like the inner um, crazy dialogue in my head that's like always there. That's great. Just do it to slow it down, the my, my mind. But That's good. I know another thing that Karen's talked about on her podcast is like, going outside and hugging a tree. She told me that too. She was like, she's like, you need to ground yourself. Cause I was telling her like, I don't know. I just, I just fall into these like spirals of just like, I'm so there's like, I'm like paralyzed for choice. Cause there's just, cause I am really blessed. So there's like a lot of things I have and like a lot of things I could do. And I'm always like, what's the best use of my time? Like I, which is like a really horrible spiral to get into but she was like, in those moments, go outside and touch a tree and close your eyes and feel the roots in the ground. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I think I will. <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. When I got first got sober and I was meeting other sober people, um, and you know, you trade stories and stuff. And I met this woman who had a lot of the same kind of childhood trauma that I did. And she said that kind of thing. Like she would just like take her shoes off and just like touch the grass Mm -hmm. and just be like, I'm standing on the earth. I'm in my body. I'm safe in my body, you know? And that's like, you know, really important for, well, probably everybody, but especially if you have any trauma, you know, around Mm -hmm. your own body um, and you are accustomed to dissociating, it's really Mm -hmm. good to learn how to like, you know, come back down and just like understand that you are connected to the earth. You are supposed to be here and, you know, that kind of thing. And it just sort of plants mm-hmm. you in that reality. So your, you know, your head doesn't have to be all, all over the place. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I thought eat. maybe we could just go through some of the favorite movies, favorite watches that we watched. I didn't rank mine. Um, I just, you know, chose five. So, and then we don't really have a procedure for this, but if somebody else has the same one, maybe that person can like add one. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to (laughs) start. My my first one is Relic. You thief. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And I really, when I looked at my whole list, I realized it's very woman centric. That wasn't like intentional. It just turned out those were the kind of movies that I really enjoyed last year. But so Relic is a, a grandmother, a daughter, and a granddaughter. And the grandmother has Alzheimer's. But there's all this like 
metaphor around this black mold in the house. And it's a horror movie. Um, and it's really close to my heart because there's Alzheimer's in my family. But I thought that the way they the way they portrayed that was super scary, super relatable. And the last shot is a zinger. And I guess that's all I want to say about it. And you don't have to be a woman or know anybody with Alzheimer's to enjoy this film. But if you, you because <laughs> there's also like such a generational aspect to it, because it's like you know grandmother, mother, and daughter, and so I don't know. I feel like I felt very similarly to you of just like it, it like was very poignant, but also just a good scary movie, and yeah, I liked it a lot too. Yeah, I loved it as well. Um, it's not on my list, but that's only because I'm brain fried. But I remember thinking it was going in a direction and when it didn't quite go in that direction and it really surprised me, I thought it was so refreshing. But I loved... Who wants to go next? I can go next. I have a movie on my list that we all watched together and that is Rose Glasses St. Maud, which is a 2019 Mm -hmm. movie. We watched it this year though. And I loved it. And I knew I was going to love it before I saw it. I wanted to see it. I couldn't get my hands on it. It was like forbidden fruit. (laughs) When I did finally see it, I just was like, oh, thank you for not. Thanks for giving me this. Because I had high expectations and high hopes. And they were met. And I love love religious horror. I just do. And this is just, this is gorgeous. And, you know, a female director a horror story, a woman-centered horror story again. Like, I think we're on the same page here. (laughs) I just loved it so much. I know you both loved it, too. I did. I I didn't put it on my list because I was like, somebody else is going to put it on the list. And, like, because it's so good. Oh, no, it was amazing. (laughs) And it's also custom-built for Quinn. Yes. But, like, it, like... And I love that. Like watching it with you, Quinn, was also a great experience. Yay. I know. I feel like there's some people that are just like, hey, Quinn, what do you want? And I don't know. (laughs) I think Rose Glass asked me that in some dream and I communicated to her. She was like, I'll do it for you. It's for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mac. So I'll go with one that is not horror related at all, but from 2021, Space Sweepers. Um, such a good movie. It is, well, it's international and it is sci-fi and it's funny and there's so much heart in it. I saw it twice and there's also a transgender robot. So it's kind of like, I don't know what else I could have ever wanted from a movie and it's lovely everybody go watch it (laughs) yeah that was one we all watched together as well i believe and i was really struck by how i don't know how connected it was even though there are a lot of different languages am i right in remembering that yeah there's a ton of different languages i think it it could have been really quite disjointed and clunky and i didn't think that it was um Mm -hmm. yeah agreed i really liked possessor And Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the first movies I watched in 2021. And it just remained one of my favorites throughout the whole year. And 
if St. Maud was custom built for Quinn, then Possessor was custom built for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all the stuff I like and, and Jennifer Jason Lee. I mean, that's like Queen. cherry on the, on the top of the ice cream, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's the cherry on top of the ice cream for that's, me. That's that expression that everyone throws around so loosely. <laughs> But in this case, I really mean it. <laughs> she is evil. And I just love an evil Jennifer Jason Lee. I just think she does it great. And oh, special effects are great. And the practical effects are great. And I just hope Mr. Brandon Cronenberg continues to make movies because I really like that one. Yeah, that's another one I want to rewatch. Okay, my next pick is, <laughs> I don't know if either of you have seen this, uh, Last Night in Soho, the Edgar no. Wright movie from this year. So I won't say much about it, but I will say that as a whole, I think I need to rewatch the movie before giving, you know, an actual intelligent analysis, but... The first hour of that movie blew me the fuck away. <laughs> it, was, it was the most fun I had seen watching a film in so long. I was transported into this world. I was like on the edge of my seat. The colors, the costumes, like everything was just fucking amazing. I loved, I mean, and honestly, I talk about this movie a lot. And I'm only really on board for the first half, but it's that <laughs> good that like, I don't love the second half, but I still want to talk about it forever because it is just, I mean, the idea of film transporting you somewhere and, you know, that's a reason why we love it so much. And it doesn't do that all the time for everyone and not every film can do it, but shit, this movie did it for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Me too. You should you should do advertising for them because it's like, okay, well now I want to see the first half of that movie. <laughs> yeah, and the second half isn't that I don't know. It's like again, I need to see it again in order to really talk about it, but the second half I don't feel like was that horrible. It's just the first half was so wow. Mhm. I feel like there are movies like that where it's like, I got to give it to you. This part was really good. This part I don't know. But (laughs) what you did good, you did really good. Yeah. My next one was Spontaneous. um, And this one actually, I watched pretty spontaneously. (gasps) uh, (laughs) Because I was going through um, this like website that tells you what's on different streaming services. And I saw it there and the cover was just the word spontaneous. And I was like, click. And it's really good. It, uh... It's got a really crazy premise of like these kids in the school start blowing up um, and then just how does this how do these kids deal with it with their imminent demise, you know, probably coming soon. And like, how do they deal with the loss of their friends and whatnot? And it's like both really like funny and irreverent, but also really poignant. Like they don't make it like every time somebody (laughs) as silly as this sounds, every time somebody blows up, it's a really big deal. And it's like shocking um even though it happens multiple times in the movie so i just love that movie yeah that one almost made my list mac um Mm -hmm. i really like that one too and i think 
you know, it's, it's great for everybody, but I think every young person should watch mm-hmm. that film. But yeah, it's really good. It, like, it's really honest emotionally. And that's hard sometimes to accomplish in film, but they nailed it. Do we want to shift gears for a second and do a couple that we hated? Just for sure. space? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I hated one. I, I was going to look up all the episode numbers, but I'll put them in the show notes. But one of the first movies I watched in 2021 was called Last Ones Out from South Africa. And I fucking hated that film. And I was so <laughs> disappointed because I was like, we were starting this endeavor and we're going to watch all these international films. And this is a zombie film from South Africa. I was like, wow, sucked. And yeah. so I think my, the ones I hated the most were like the biggest disappointments, things I had mm. been looking forward to. And then they were terrible. So, but we did a whole podcast on South on African films. So I won't go into it too much, but boy, it is bad. The appendectomy scene, there ain't <laughs> nothing like it. <laughs> so. Well, one that I hated that we watched together um, for Movie Squad, and this was my pick that week. Um, I am known for notoriously horrible picks. <laughs> so much so that I expect to be like... You know, I expect my privileges to be withheld sometimes. <laughs> like, can't for a month. Um, that should have happened after this one. Um, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Scott Burns Come True, a 2020 film um, that is just, it, you know, we all agreed cinematography-wise, oh my gosh, gorgeous. Yeah. But just as, like, you know... The first half of Last Night in Soho was so great. It saved it. The cinematography in this is so great that it saved, I think, part of our experience. But, like, the movie just leads you on roads that are not... Or leads you on bridges that are not maybe, like, well-built. And then you fall. And then you wonder why you fell. And then you realize it's because you pushed me, you stupid movie. I love these analogies. These are Those great analogies. All these movies, horror, suspense, whatever. Hitchcock, really famous for that. He pulls the rug out from under you. I think people want to do that so much that mm. they do it too much, too often, and it's sacrilegious at times. In this movie, yes. I feel like, buddy, you got to slow it down. Like, take Max's advice, slow it down. A little bit here, a little bit there. Don't add everything to the soup, whatever. But no, come true is not a dream come true. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> we we were all just like, In what shock. the fuck is happening right now? And Especially the last like five minutes, we were like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we were already mad, and then the last yeah. five minutes happened, and we were livid. Yeah, we we're like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm kind of torn because I, I feel like I have this list of great films that I want to see too. And Guillermo del Toro just came out with a movie that I want to see, and I'm going to see with Quinn. But on Hulu, if you have Hulu, sometimes they put together these playlists, and there's Guillermo del Toro's noir picks, 
Mm-hmm. And most of them are from like the fifties, but Barton Fink's also on that list, but I put them all in my watch list and they might not all be great films, but you know, I'm like, I like Del Toro's vision. So I'll watch them. But I think sometimes it might be good to watch bad movies because just to see how maybe just to appreciate it when things go well, you know, like when things come together in such a way that you feel like this is a beautiful puzzle and all the pieces fit and like the fly, for example, um, I just think it's perfect. I mean, there's every moment is, is great and, you know, no bad performances and it's got all these super elements and they all fit together really well. And yeah, the cinematography was amazing. <laughs> and I don't know. I hope that DP like, you know, goes on to do great things, but wow, we, I don't know. It was a yeah. total mismatch with that one. Yeah. And even like the relationships in it. I mean, I won't mm, hark on this, barf. Hark on this, but like it was, yeah, it was gross. Like it was like, what are you doing? Like, no, no one believes this, but yeah. yeah. I need to talk about the Tomorrow War and how much I hated it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't believe people are calling this, like, there were some, like, Teen's Choice Awards or People's Choice Awards, and this one was on the list of possible best movies for 2021 to win. I was like, what? Because I only watched it because there were a few comedians in it that I like. And you know what? They did a fine job. But... This movie is so fucking long. I hate Chris Pratt. I feel like this movie would like, and I just got, if my dad is listening, know that I say this with the utmost love I can, but this movie was like my dad's fantasy of like what he wants to do, what every dad with a gun wants to do, which is (laughs) go fight in a war and be tough and cool. Like I I don't, and I know that it's his fantasy because he told me he loved this film. (laughs) So but it's so fucking long it goes on for so long and it's so stupid and if you like this movie i don't think you have good taste and i think that you aren't literate at media and you are stupid a little bit i mean when i watched it i was like oh i was upset like and me and alan paused it and we were like oh my god still another hour to go and i'm already so upset so if you like this movie fuck you <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad and it's so loved yeah I, by horrible men everywhere not dad you're not horrible but you do have bad taste i wouldn't have watched this i mean i didn't watch it but i was really tempted because it got a lot of you know good press and i was like oh maybe i should watch it but i i didn't and i'm glad i didn't thank you mac yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm not going to please do not like <sighs> I, I don't know how many pissing contests there are in this movie, but so much. And the whole movie is just made to be like, hey, Chris Pratt, they, they try to act like he has a dad bod. Like they try to act like Chris Pratt is like some schlubby guy who like it's for schlubby men everywhere who want to feel good. That's what this movie is. And I hate that. <laughs> we don't need this. If we if we like, you know, look at what this world needs, it's not something like that. Thank Exactly. Exactly. But something the world might need more of is movies like Censor. Mm. Um, that was a really big, uh, that was a really big 
what am I trying to say? That was one that I really enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really big one I enjoyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to teach English for a living. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I mean, it's, it's, it, you think it's one thing, it turns out to be something else. And I guess one of the things I really do like is psychological horror and the, place that the protagonist is in in terms of her unresolved trauma uh leads her to do things that are horrifying um and the again the last section of the film is really a whammy and so is saint maud you know uh when when you when they can pull it off it's really effective and memorable unlike come true but um censor has one of those endings where you just feel like oh no you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I like that. I like leaving feeling that way. <laughs> I like feeling <laughs> dread. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I re- yeah, I, I don't. I can't remember what problem I had with it, but it was probably a silly problem because I have silly problems with things. Not like come true when my problems are illegitimate and serious <laughs> and not silly. I mean, I don't think Censor was perfect, but Michael Smiley's in it. And, you know, if you can get Michael Smiley in your movie, I think you're doing a good thing. <laughs> and uh, he plays such a slime ball. And, but that's not really what the movie's about. But there's mm-hmm. a scene with him that's just mm, so good. And so I think that does save it. A little bit. I mean, it's a little, you know, like I said, you think it's one thing, it turns out to be something else. And that might be a little, you know, jarring for some people and some people might not want to, you know, go with it. And that's fair. I, I think it could have been a little smoother in its execution, but I was cool with it because I I just really liked the whole, the whole deal. It's like, I just like to see things that are unique and stories that I haven't seen before. It's like, I will take like 1 million censors, um, even if like there are some things here or there I wouldn't like other than the 1 million tomorrow world, tomorrow wars that I'm getting, you know, of just like, <laughs> give me, give me anything else, but something about white cis het men, like anything else. And so censor, you did that. All right. So another one I liked that I saw this year is called Summer of Soul. Mm-hmm. It's a documentary. Um, Summer of Soul also, or when the revolution could not be televised. This is a documentary 2021 by Questlove, and it's cool as fuck. Have you two seen this? I haven't, but I heard about it on film spotting. Oh, okay, cool. Did they like it? Oh, yeah. It's really, you can't ask for anything more than that. this because it is pretty much all archival footage and then cut with interviews but it's footage that was just recently found that had been in somebody's basement. And it's of this, um, it just centers around this film festival that lasts, or film festival, music festival that lasted a week in the summer of 1969 in Harlem. And it's just a beautiful story. And you see all these interviews with really very famous musicians and you're just seeing another side of the story to the commonly told story of Woodstock. And um, 
I love the Woodstock documentary. I grew up watching it. It's super long, but it's amazing. And um, this was so cool to see and to understand that it was happening very much in the same, you know, at the same time. And it was just gorgeous. And I think I don't, he's a master of editing. I know, you know, he was involved with everything with the film Questlove and what he did with the footage, the found footage and the interviews, I just thought was just a masterful piece of film. It was so cool and it's uplifting and it is so much fun. And, and half of it is, is the, um, the artists performing. So it's just a good, it's a great documentary and it's a really simply done one in that it's, you know, archival footage cut with interviews, but it's done so beautifully. I loved it. That sounds lovely. Yeah, I really want to see that one. Um, that one's on my list. Um, Quinn, I just yeah. thought of two possible movies for you for your fifth slot, but do okay. you want them now? No, let's insert them in my fifth slot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm okay. still not thinking. I'm still brain fried. That's okay. Head empty, no thoughts. <laughs> it's kind of like a you. You could hear like a ping pong ball going around in there for mine. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, I put down a double feature because this is how I experienced this. I watched, I rewatched 1992 Candyman, and then two days later saw the 2021 Candyman, and I gotta tell you. This is now going to be a double feature for the ages. I highly recommend you watch these two back to back because I, I are, you would already get so much out of the 2021 Candyman, but it's like, it really mm. is a great continuation of the story. And I, there were, I feel like there were some people who were split on the candy, Candyman 2021. To me, I feel like it was done so well because it is not the same movie as 1992, but it clearly has such an, a, a different vision and a different flair. I do think that there are some issues with it. I think it loses the plot near the end. And the whole end to me is just a little bit like what happened. But the beginning is very, very good. And I think a lot of the art choices and I watched a lot of these behind the scenes recently on it. And they worked with a lot of black artists to help make like everything in the set all the art all the co like everything and i mm -hmm. think that's like amazing and i don't know it just and candy man 1992 obviously is a great great film and there's not many like it i think and just you gotta watch these two back to back i feel like even if you have issues with either one of them it's just a good a good experience yeah i i think that's a great recommendation in the body horror in the the updated one or the more recent one. Oh, it's real gross. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, the yeah. performances are great. And I mean, we've already talked about it, but that one death is just so memorable and I enjoy yes. it so much. Um, so yeah, I re I recommend it too. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Um, I saw the Ridge with you all. And then I missed the, trip to the theater for the new one. So I'm going to have to watch the original again before I watch the new one. But I will I, do that. I will take your okay. advice. I really, I think it's worth it because you just, you can just, you get, you pick up on so many things that they never point out, but are just there. And you only notice them because you are, you have been so recently acquainted with the story. And 
Mm. I just think it's great. So I was on a walk with friend of the show, Tiffany Albright, who we had on the show talking about the LGBTQ film festival that she put on last year. And apparently people do this. I didn't know this, but sort of uh, people who are into horror movies sort of watch the same ones every year around Halloween time. And I, so I'm like, all right, well, I should probably build a list. And one that will definitely go on it is a movie called We Are Still Here. And Mm. when I was putting together this list, I just thought, what movies did I watch that made me feel really happy or really excited because I hadn't seen something like that before? And it's not it's not a new movie. I, I think it came out. Oh, gosh. 2015. I don't know. Do you guys know when it came something out? Something around then. I was going to say 2015 or 2017. It sort of has Evil Dead vibes to me, too. And it's just fun to me. And um, so I, I it's something I feel like I could watch every year around Halloween. And um, yeah, I hadn't seen it before and I really enjoyed it a lot. I watched it forever ago and I remember feeling very similarly, but I don't remember much of it, which is great. So I want to watch it again so I can like maybe experience it for a second time. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my next pick, my fourth pick, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I broke the rules and I know we're looking at movies, but um, I put a show on there and this is a show I watched probably at the very beginning of 2021. Um, although it came out in 2017 and that is, Paolo Sorrentino's The Young Pope. Yes. I've never heard of this. I only talk about The Young Pope. (laughs) That's all I talk about. Um, And I just rewatched it again while in Michigan. Um, I hooked my mom into watching his film Youth and she liked it. And I was like, well, if you like his style... (laughs) let's try this. And from the first episode, she was, she was in, and then she was looking up all these facts about Jude Law throughout the week. And his birthday was a few days ago. Anyways, we, you know, I had already renamed it the sexy Pope and my mom also (laughs) called it the sexy Pope. And we like couldn't get enough. And it is not because Jude Law is gorgeous, although he is in this show it's just magical. And Sorrentino, um, I just, I don't know. I haven't moved all the way through his work, but I want to. That's actually something. It's a goal for 2022 is that I want to see everything that he made because everything that I've seen so far has blown me away. And I love his style and it's weird as shit, but I love it and I get it. And it's beautiful. And yeah, the young Pope is Perhaps not for everyone because it's kind of, you know, goes off in really weird directions. And half the time you're not totally sure if it's some like dream sequence, but I love that ride. And I would take, I would start that ride again today. And maybe I will, I don't know, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I know I broke the rules here, but I also finished the next show, which was um, the new Pope, which is more Malkovich less, Jude Law, but still really cool. I think it's fine. I mean, I I sort of, if I opened it up to all the TV I watched too, you know, this would be a very long list, but we said favorite watches. So I think that's fair. Yeah. And we we said, you know, just look at something that just really made you happy and shit, this makes me happy. 
I will talk to anyone who wants to talk to me about the sexy Pope and I'll talk to them for days about it. Well, who's getting in touch? Well, who's getting in touch? Um, so uh, my fourth pick is kind of a classic, but it was my first time ever watching it. And that is the original Matrix movie. I had never seen it in my entire life. And all I knew about it was that scene where Keanu Reeves goes back and then the bullets. That was it. And I don't even I didn't even know why that was happening. But then I heard that the Wachowski sisters, you know, who made it are trans. And so I was like, hmm. And watching this movie, I'm like, I don't know. Because apparently some people on the internet recently have tried to been like, um, no, it's a not. And the Trasky sisters have been like, well, we literally wrote it. I don't know if I get watching it at first. And if you don't see the trans allegory, totally. But then after you know that and you watch it to me, it is so clear how fucking gay and trans that movie is. And I just thought it was amazing i literally gave it five out of five stars i just was like and it's not even just about that it's just also like i i, I get it like i i love it I, I totally see where they were going for and i love it i think it's sick i've not watched the <laughs> new one but the original amazing probably one of my favorite movies i've ever seen <laughs> yeah they uh they nailed that one i mean that's used a lot in philosophy classes because it's basically Plato's allegory of the cave, you yeah, know, you know, translated into really cool filmic form. Um, and I like read the article. I read some article that you know was a trans allegory, and I I was like, oh whoa, because I've I you know that's not my story, but I could see how it, it is that. And um, yeah, now I want to rewatch it, you know, with that and, in mind. Yeah, because the the big thing to me was this idea of like, now that you know, there's no way to unknow. Yeah. There's no way to like put that genie back in the bottle. Because that's really how I felt when I realized I was trans. Because there's an interesting thing a lot of people go through. Not everybody, but some people find that they experience more gender dysphoria after they realize that they're trans. Mm-hmm. But that's because they now have a thing to point these uncomfortable feelings towards. And then it's magnified kind of when you notice it more of like things that don't fit in with your perception. And so, you know, and then I see how for in the context of the movie, you know, that means like, well, now once you know that you that this is, you know, who you are, it is makes it 10 times more impossible to just pretend like that's not true. And just yeah, I highly recommend reading, um, you know, stuff that they've said about the movie, what other people have analyzed about the movie and then watching it again, if you haven't seen it in a while, because it's also just so great. It's really good. I don't know if the new one's good. It could be bad. but um, Well, Adam Analyzes said, if you're a pretty big fan of one, the first Matrix, mm-hmm. that you will like it. Maybe. not, No guarantee. But um, yeah, the other sequels are not as well liked. And so, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to <laughs> something we didn't like. Um, something I didn't have fun with this year was promising young woman uh, <laughs> fuck and that movie i think a lot of it was you know we were all really looking forward to it and i love love carrie mulligan i think she's one of the best actresses we have and i was excited it was supposed to be this really wonderful feminist like 
treatise or something and i'm like no it's not it's uh it's awful <laughs> she's a psychopath and i i was like what are they trying to say here because the first part is really satisfying and you're sort of like okay i'm on board you know after the first scene but then she gets gradually more awful um, towards and, women and young girls yeah. Yeah, so the scene with Connie Britton and then the next one with Alison Brie, I was, you know, you're out. You're like, no, this is not the way to go about this at all. Plus, she's a loser, I guess, because she was in medical school and then she dropped out and she's living with her parents who are cartoons. And I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, and it was nominated for Best Picture and it had so much critical appraise. And I know people who personally loved it. And I was so excited and we watched it together and we were all like garbage, 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 you know, even though there's pieces of it that are really cool to watch, but all together, you know, it's, I think there's a question, what are we supposed to take away from this movie? And I don't think they delivered what we were supposed to really take away from it. I think they just delivered a bit of a really weird mess that, you know, was kind of cool and fun at, at the beginning, but then just you know, I think, you know, and I think a lot of things that she was doing were interesting choices, like having who are some of the people who are kind of, kind of have the reputation of being like the nicest men in Hollywood mm -hmm. being like these complete misogynist, you know, violent assholes. That's okay. That's kind of, you know, interesting. And, um, I did like the scene with Alfred Molina um, he plays an attorney who has defended rapists, um, and he he's repentant. And I, so that was in there. That was good. But yeah, on the whole, um, extremely disappointing, confusing, frustrating, and confounding, you know, as to why so many people were praising it so highly. Because, well, to me, it's like, the level to which I did not like this movie, it went above like, okay, I don't really know what you were doing there. It was like that not only did you – because some things I was like, I see what you think you're trying to say. Yeah. But from the way you said this, I know that you don't get it. Like I know that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and this is not the way to do it. And I feel like – like just a thing to say like, oh, uh, okay, women who's killing rapists, whatever. Okay, so yeah, it's a good movie. It's like, no, that's not, that's, that's not, that does not a good movie make. And I don't, I think it's also kind of like stupid to boil like rape culture down into something that we could so easily tackle with something. And I know that like, that's not, you know, in the end of the movie, it doesn't come out with like, and everything she did was definitely the right thing to do. But it's like, like, I don't know. It pissed me off. And it, I was just thinking like, there's so many better ways to give this message, any message and this ain't it. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I just, I was just really confused as to what she was doing because I, I don't understand her character. And I understand being so consumed by grief that you go insane. I get that, you know, yeah. I could see how that could happen, but Sometimes she's insane and then sometimes she's really intentional. And I I feel like you have to make a choice when you're drawing a character about like who she is, why she's doing what she's doing. 
and you know, whether or not we're going to sympathize with her. And I feel like she just tried to do everything with that. And it was not good. Yeah. 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 I think that, <laughs> I don't know, whenever I have major problems with movies, usually if I were to think about where they went wrong, it's because they tried to do too much shit and needed to just simplify. And I feel that is the case in Promising Young Women. And also my next pick, Malignant. Which is the one that people really do love. I didn't. And I, I guess I'm like just not cool enough to go with them on that ride. But I, there were so many things I thought were cool about this movie. But in the end, I felt that they didn't create a world in which there were, there was any logistics. Like I don't, I, nothing was logical. I, I know horror is illogical and suspense can break rules in many cases, rules of logistics. But if you don't have any rules, then I can't watch your movie. I can't. And nothing matters. There's no weight. Like, yeah. like, and I, this was another scene to where I feel like almost sometimes people are like, like, well, look at this cool thing we did. Like, spoiler alert, this, the scene where, you know, sh- she's killing everybody in like the women's prison. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that was like, yeah, I mean, when I look at this on paper, I really don't like the idea of someone coming in and killing a bunch of incarcerated women who are trapped in a cell. Like, sorry, I know that's not necessarily the point of this scene, but that's what occurred. That's what you just made me watch. And like, that upsets me. Like, I don't like that. And I think that's pretty tone deaf. And I think that's, if you were trying to go for anything, you missed it. (laughs) Yeah. And you tried to fool us by showing it to us in a crazy, chaotic manner. Mm -hmm. But in the end, you're killing a bunch of incarcerated women. Yeah. It's like, great. Awesome scene. Love watching this. (laughs) Yeah. Now on to Tomorrow World. No. (laughs) Tomorrow World. I don't know. and it's like, I I think I could have been down with the craziness of Malignant if somebody different had wielded it. Because also, I remember thinking the beginning was stupid, <laughs> and I remember hating everybody in it. And I liked the craziness of it, but it was like, the fact that they had to do it like that was like, you couldn't have picked, just, who in that boardroom was like, maybe we should do this, like, for a bunch of people who deserve it. I don't know. <laughs> And again, like you said, Queen, it's kind of like you you can't just like kill a whole bunch of people in a cell and then like nothing happens, you know? Yeah, or I I think of I know there's a lot of talk about how how could she do these things that Malignant did or whatever that's not that the brother did, whatever. Mm-hmm. How could she physically do these things, you know, and not do other things in the beginning that she lacked, you know, and I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to answer those questions. If they're not <laughs> there or like readily available, I'm not interested in watching what I felt like was a, Oh my God, <laughs> I feel so preachy right now, but it reminded me of, um, when I was in college, people's student films, like, hey, I want to get this really fucking great idea. I love to just kill everyone. <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't know. I just, 
I, people loved this one too. I didn't. Not me. Mm-hmm. If Not you guys can stand to hear some more about Malignant, I would really recommend the How Did This Get Made on, <gasps> on it. Um, mm. And Quinn, Paul Shear does call the brother Malignant like throughout, <laughs> throughout the show. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's great. Um, I I have forgotten like that movie. I mean, I, I, I have little flashes of it, but I think my brain just like was like, nope, we don't need we this. Don't need <laughs> so I don't really remember it. Um, but one that has stuck with me is The Medium. And mm. uh, Mac and I watched this actually in person, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had seen it before. It's long as fuck. It's by uh, Na Hong Jin, who did Chaser, The Yellow Sea, and The Wailing. Okay. So The Medium is a Thai mockumentary film. And, you know, sometimes I don't like those because of the handheld thing. Um, I'm very sensitive to that. But I got over it for this one because I think that Na Hong Jin is really interested in religion and Mm -hmm. i read an interview with him that was really cool i think i sent it to you guys but he he's a christian but he he (laughs) you know it's tough you know uh trying to understand what's real and what to believe and what to have faith in and um so this movie talks a lot about that and again the last there's the last (laughs) part of this movie that will just punch you in your heart gut um but before that, it's horror. And just watching this young woman, you know, become more and more possessed by this demon is so creepy and so disturbing. And I highly recommend it. You know, it's like you said, Mac, when we did um, 13 Beloved, Thai horror is really fucking good horror. It's and, so good. Yeah. It, so I, yeah, I would totally recommend it. Also, it's just goddamn gorgeous to look at yes so um yeah it's long but it's worth your time mm-hmm. just like the whaling yes <laughs> i might be the biggest fan of the whaling but mm-hmm. i like it a whole lot okay did we skip mac for our worst oh um i can give a worst Oh yeah, we so, yeah, Quinn, you did malignant, but yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mac. No, it's okay. Um Licorice Pizza is a film <laughs> that came out recently. Um and now listen, I would never I would not say that this was the worst that I personally have seen in 2021. But it's like I just was thinking like it just came out. When's another time I'm ever gonna get the chance to talk about this movie? But I didn't like it. Uh, I gave it on Letterboxd. What'd I give it? One star. Um mm. Because is a new movie from Paul Thomas Anderson with um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son and one of the Heim sisters. Well, all the Heim sisters, but Alana Heim as the main character, kind of. Um, yeah, she's the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I'm just, I guess, I don't know. I'm crazy because I'm just not a fan of 25-year-old women kissing 15-year-old boys. Um, I don't know. Call me, Call me weird. Call me a psycho. I don't like it when 25-year-old grown women flash their boobs to a, a minor. So it's like I don't like casual racism towards Japanese people. Um, I don't like a lot of what this movie was. 
I'm, I, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, what was it supposed to be? That women are infantilized and can't do anything? Like, that they need, you know, a child to help them through? Like, I just really think this movie could have made been made 10 million times better if they had just kept Alana 25 and made the kid 18. Make him legally able to kiss this woman and I will be okay with it. But you make him, like, 15 is so young. Like, I didn't cut my hair short until I was 16. So up when I was 15 years old, I had long hair. That's just, to me, that's crazy. I can't think of a time before I had short hair. So, and then if I had been kissing a 25-year-old man or woman, I just know, even if it was, I think even if it was the 70s, people would have had, my parents would have had an issue with this. Um, my friends would have had an issue with this. <laughs> I don't know. I just think this movie, it was kind of like, can you pick some things? Like, can you pick a theme? Can you pick like anything from, cause it wasn't even a character study to me or anything like that. It was just kind of like, I think Paul Thomas Anderson was like, man, I wish I could do one really long music video with no music <laughs> or guess a little bit of songs <laughs> and also some pedophilia. Um, and good job, I guess. <laughs> That's how I felt. I, this movie. I feel too like he was just like, man, shit was crazy in the 70s in California. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and there are some crazy scenes that like, like Mac, you and I were talking about the, the uh, truck, the truck yes, scene. That's a great scene. Really good. good. If you can yeah. find that sequence. Um, you don't even have to know what's going on. It is so well done. And then the sequence with, um, Oh, what the fuck is his name? Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Yes, yeah. yes. Really that good. That was really good. But uh yeah, I can't I can't get over that age gap. And even if it was in California and even if it was in the seventies, and the kid doesn't look fifteen, but still. Um also so he was eighteen when it was filming, but he's eighteen now, but when 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 did this film is what I'm thinking. So he He, he could have been okay. He so could have been, been seventeen. He yeah. could have been seventeen. Yeah, I I don't think it's funny when I I just didn't think that part with the guy, uh, you know, doing that Japanese accent, I guess. I didn't Mm -hmm. think that was funny. I think it was supposed to be funny, but it sure wasn't. And again, that seems pretty tone deaf for like, I mean, you shouldn't. I don't care what year it is. I don't care what time you're from. You shouldn't be offensive to people. Um, And at the same time with like. Everything that, you know, people have been talking about this year, um, uh, you know, one of which has been like trying to get proper representation and like, you know, respect towards Asian Americans. It's like, then you have this in your movie. It's kind of like, okay, so you don't pay attention to anything. Well, I don't think he does, though. I think I think PTA is the kind of person who like I had a boyfriend once when I was in college who didn't watch TV and Mm -hmm. we went to see. This is going to be a terrible example because I'm not going to be able to remember the details. But it was right when Woody Allen and Mia Farrow were breaking up. Mm. And there was a movie that came out and they were fighting as a married couple. And the crowd was laughing because of what Mm -hmm. was happening in real life. And Mark was like, I don't understand what's funny. Because he has like no idea. He's an artist, you know, right? He's actually a very good artist, but he has no conception of what else is going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never, ever encountered, encountered anyone else like that. But I think PTA is like that. He's only he's only interested, it seems, in um, what young white uh, women are doing in California. I mean, I love 
Magnolia. I love Boogie Nights. Yeah, I think he's done a lot of great <laughs> films. I'm not. This is not me hating on Paul Thomas Anderson. I am hating this one. I'm hating on his 2021 body of work. <laughs> yeah, that's. I didn't see it. So, I, and I wanted to, and I'm disappointed to hear that. But I didn't know that much about the film. But I'm more disappointed because, I mean, Phantom Thread and There Will Be Blood. I feel like are just. I don't know. They're probably like in my top 20 of the last decade. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm not doing And that. you could like this movie because we, I, I mostly watched it because my boyfriend, who I love a lot, loves Paul Thomas Anderson. And he said, will you see this movie with me? I said, no. And he said, will you see it on Christmas with your mom? And I said, okay. I can see how that could be, uh, you know, because we had seen Uncut Gems together, like for Christmas. So I was like, okay. Another movie I didn't really want to watch, but I was like, okay. Um, but so, and he liked it, you know, and if you can get over that part, you probably might like it. And I laughed. I, I mean, there were sometimes, I mean, some of the references are super funny and yeah. there's just like. Bradley Cooper's performance is also oh, really good. I was going to ask about Bradley Cooper. I mean, that's the highlight. Yeah, yeah. totally yeah. the highlight. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. So. He, whatever you saw in the trailer, that's not what the whole movie is, but that is the most enjoyable part. Which is why they put it in the trailer. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, you're going to watch it, Quinn. I mean, and we wouldn't. And you could like it. And, and don't we feel bad to dissuade you, you like from it. that because there yeah. there's good stuff in there. But there's some really bad choices that were made. And um, it's hard to get over those. Yeah. Um, for me, too. But I lost track of where we are. So. Okay. I think this, this will be a number five. I think I've done five. You've done, You've done five, five. And now I'm on my fifth. For best of, and then Mac needs to do his fifth. And remember, I don't have a fifth. So you said you had a suggestion. Uh, for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You wouldn't shut up about that, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but you really liked that one. And shoot, what was the other one? Um, just give me a second. Well, I mean, you could take that one, but I can't. I, yeah, I did have another one, too, that I didn't see, but you liked a lot and you wanted me to watch it. Um, was it but, youth? Was it recent? It could have been youth. No. Oh. Well, anyway, portrait of, portrait of a woman. Is it a woman or a lady? Oh, my God. Lady. Lady. I'm fire. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know it had a lot of critical acclaim, so I was really late to the game and watching it. But And I didn't really like feel like watching it one day, but I just turned it on. And, oh, my God, I was engulfed. It was really just gorgeous. Um, I loved it. Um, I I I am like your typical um, American in that it's tough for me to get over subtitles sometimes, like the one inch stumbling block, as Bong Juno said. Um, yeah, that's a stumbling block for me because. Uh, I don't think I have the right glasses. And a lot of times I'm like, when we're doing squat, I'm like, hey, guys, just not, my eyes aren't great today, so let's not do a subtitled movie. But, you know, so I watched this one on my own. I felt proud of myself, but I couldn't stop watching it. I was like, you can stop watching it if you want because your eyes might hurt or something. You know, I gave myself the permission. I couldn't stop. It's gorgeous. I totally recommend it. It's just 
beautiful. It's just a beautiful film. So, yeah, thank you. I couldn't even see past the last, like, two weeks (laughs) of, like, my favorite movies of the year. I wonder what the other movie was that I was telling you to watch. Yeah, I totally cannot remember. Um, I know it wasn't the Sopranos movie. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) Okay, so... Have we all done? No, Mac. Go, sorry, go ahead. I've got five. one more. Um, so yeah, mine's also going to be a little bit unusual because, and I wasn't even going to say this, but until Quinn, you said the words like, I wasn't like expecting this. This was something like that for me. There was one evening where I don't remember what Alan was doing, but I just know I had a lot of time to myself and I'd been listening to the Waitress musical soundtrack and I was like, I should find the bootleg because unfortunately, and that's the thing, I can't show anybody this because I would have to get them down to watch a bootleg. But I sat down and I, because I'm I'm good at finding my musical bootlegs, I found a waitress bootleg, no time flat, sat down and watched the whole musical top. The, did not I did not think I was going to do this. And then by the end, I was sobbing. But I mean that affectionately, like it had me crying so much because it's so sweet and feel good and like made me so happy and like there's a song called take it from an old man that like is a song that i would never see myself crying to because it's all about her like do she's dancing with this old guy who owns the pie shop she works in and he's kind of an asshole but he you know he's a nice old man and the whole song is he's saying like you know take it from an old man you're gonna be fine um you know like time doesn't go any longer and then there's this line that's so beautiful he said he said, um, if you lack the skill of your own, hold out your hand and take it from an old man. And I just was like, ah! <laughs> just <laughs> crying. And like, the end is so sweet. And so just, it brought me so much happiness. So I have to recommend if you, I mean, I've never seen the Waitress movie. Maybe it's just as good. But that musical with the original Broadway cast, if you can sit through a bootleg, <laughs> you should do it. It's really good. I really love um, Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. Yes. And I just recently watched um, Girls 5 Eva. <laughs> so good. If you What's love that? her, you should watch it. I think it's <gasps> a Peacock TV show. Um, it's a TV show, and I think it aired on Peacock. But um, she's in it. There's a couple of like really great actresses, and it's kind of about sort of like um, – a girl band from the nineties reuniting and the music is great. She's so great in it. I just love her. That sounds lovely. I'm going to check it out. I love love it. It's great. And I mean, listen to this, listen to the waitress musical soundtrack. If you haven't, Um, she, I believe did all the music for it. She's not singing in the soundtrack, um, but it's really good. And I just love her. Yeah, and she wrote she wrote all the songs, correct? I think she did. I yeah. think she wrote all of them. And she performed through some shows, but um the performance I watched, she was not gotcha. the character. She was not the actress, but Well, maybe we could do maybe some honorable mentions either on the side of movies or shows that we really enjoyed this year or yeah. really did not enjoy this year. Um, yeah. I wanted to mention Host because I I watched it <sighs> At least, I think I watched it twice. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it with Quinn the second time, I enjoyed it just as, maybe just as much as the first time. Um, it's so smart. And um, 
it just takes this concept and just runs with it. And I think they bite size too. So good. Yeah, it's like eighty minutes. It's mm. really good. It scared. The I gotta shit watch it again. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. It's really well done. Can I give an honorable, dishonorable mention yeah. to Suspiria 2018 um, <laughs> for being one of the biggest wastes of times of my life? <laughs> you didn't enjoy that two and a half hours that you spent with that movie? I am so sad that you have experienced that movie more than once. Yeah. Um, that My heart goes out to you. And that movie, I feel like you can sum it up. What if Medea but Tilda Swinton? Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what you get. And you'd think maybe that would be good. It's not. <laughs> uh, uh, it's we, we liked the original more, and I would recommend Tenebrae. If you haven't seen Tenebrae, it's a Dario Argento film, and it is fun. Mm-hmm. Midnight Mass. Oh, oh, good I haven't finished it yet, but I thank every day that you guys convinced me to watch it. I am obsessed with the guy that you told me that I would be obsessed with, Hamish. Uh huh. He is otherworldly. His energy, <laughs> yeah. I love him. Amazing. I know <laughs> he's just so good in this. It was like made for him. Um, I after I watched it, I started watching interviews with him and stuff. <laughs> he's the character. I'm not sure what he's doing. But I feel like he's on the level of like, I don't know, 2010 Shia LaBeouf or something. He's doing similar <laughs> stuff. But um, <laughs> he's in this show. Um, and what a great show. I, I love the guy who, who does, I don't, what's his name? The guy Mike who does Flanagan. these. Yes. I like, I like Mike Flanagan stuff. This is, this might be my favorite though of the Flanagan things on Netflix. Like I haven't finished it yet. So you're, and, but I, I just feel like it, it was totally executed, this vision. And there's so much to it. And it, um, outs- the horror is already really scary. And I think some of the visuals are so good. But it's just this show and Slasher season four, I think, does such a good job, better than other horror shows, of setting up your background and your context so that stuff actually is impactful and like hits you, you know? Like, I won't give spoilers, but the deaths in Midnight Mass, like, felt like a punch to the gut mm-hmm. at times. Because you're just like, no, like, no, I can't, we can't be losing this character now. Like, you can't do this. And um, I felt like Slasher, I wasn't sad at everything, but it's certainly there are things that are so much more demented because of the family dynamics that they set up. I also, I think for Midnight Mass, he did something here that we've talked about in the last hour for our, um, Oh, there's an Amber alert going off on all our phones. Oh, so, um, Flanagan did something here that I think a lot of our, um, films on our worst list did not do in that. And it's just exactly what you said, put in enough time and effort to really put you there so that, while Midnight Mass leads you on a road and then forks it, and normally Quinn would be like, what? (laughs) You know, but he set up those characters well enough that you really understood and you could go with it. And I think even 
somebody who is loath to go in a different direction in a show or a film that they like kind of previously set up, you know, was the path would still go with you on this one. Cause, cause I'm using myself in as a, and as an example, if you don't do, if you don't do anything to set up time and place and characterization, then I can't go on a trip with you at all. But Flanagan did that, I think, so beautifully here. So much so that we really, I think you could feel a lot of empathy for folks that were not so great. (laughs) And we loved What's-Her-Face. I can't think of her name. Bev? I loved Bev so much. Is she... she I'm talking about the the nasty lady, yeah. like the nasty religious lady, because I loved her too. She played it perfectly. Yeah, she she kind of. I mean, aside from Hamish Linklater, I mean, she was she stole it. She like, stole it. Yeah, I mean, and I just love Rahul Kohli. I, I his do face, too. He can he can do a horrible accent any day of the week, and I will watch it because I think his other performance is great. He's got a great face, rocks a beard, and he's really funny on Twitter. Um, and I just I love that guy. Well, and if you um, if you want more, you can just watch Vi Zombie. He's a he's lives uh, right hand man. But I think it's funny that you mentioned Slasher Mac because I feel like. The guy in Slasher is the discount Hamish Linklater. Which guy? Seamus. The guy, the actor is uh, Christopher Jacko or Jacket. Oh. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> completely. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. You're complete. Yes. 100%. <laughs> like they have, it's, yeah, he's kind of like, and I do, I don't mean this rudely towards um slasher guy because he's in every season i think he does the best and he he i love slasher because it's so fucking weird and stupid and insane like that's what i want and it gives it to me (laughs) and he does he does these performances that are so like what are you like why did you go this way but i love it and yes but he doesn't have the same energy of no. like Hamish where you feel like you're kind of watching something that like is bigger than yourself. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> you know, but he's still got they're a on great different, chaotic energy. They're on different yeah. levels. Yeah. But yeah. um they're, they're they're in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. But um let's see. I mean, on the podcast <laughs> we have uncovered some gems, but also some truly terrible movies. Um, and if you want to hear our takes on those, I would, you know, I would recommend that you check out Pulse. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one on Sporlush, The Vanishing, and uh, yes. Suspiria. I think those are the ones that we really, um, wow. We really and, the, um, and yeah. the last one's out one. The last one's out. And also The Uninvited. I was pretty bummed out. Mm. Um I almost put it on my list, but it wasn't even that. It was like fun, what I didn't like. I just didn't like it, you no. know? Let's see. I'm trying to think of – I mean, I watched a lot of TV. Um, I watched a lot of international TV. Um, Chestnut Man was good. I think that's Norwegian. And I also really love Succession. If anyone ever wants to talk about Succession, I'm completely in love with that show. And um, I think it's, I think it's super good. I'm only on the second season, but I do love it. 
I was talking to friends of the show, um, Cindy and Devin, and they both had like noped out at some point. And I'm like, you got to go back. When? Wow. One, I think one of them after season one, but I was like, wow. no. Watch I love it because I hate one, them. And then keep going. Yeah. Season mm-hmm. three, I think it gets better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw for the first time this year, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I watched it with a bunch of my online friends who are obsessed with Lord of the Rings. And I just got to say, if there's a, there is not a better watching experience, you need to, watching movies with people who are obsessed with them is so great. And I highly recommend it to anybody. Um, or just watching a movie with somebody who just like loves you. Like, like how I felt watching like St. Maud with Quinn of just like, I did not have a, I have no religious connections to myself at all. It's like everything to me is just, I'm really outside of any sort of experience with that. But like, like knowing that you were really into it, like doubly increased my enjoyment of it. And so I just feel like that's the best way to watch a movie. Yeah. I love that advice. Love it. Okay. <laughs> I I'm I'm looking at a long list of movies that I am excited to see. Maybe we could just name a movie that you haven't seen yet that's out. Well, Nightmare Alley for me, that's the next thing I want to watch. Um I did want to recommend Power of the Dog. I've already recommended it to you guys, but Power of the Dog's on Netflix right now and I don't know why I was reluctant to watch it cuz it's real good and it has uh, actors that we all like a lot. I really want to see Pig with Nicholas. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Maybe we should do that for Squad. Do you want to see it, Quinn? I um, I started it. watching it, and I've I started it twice. I can't. I don't know why. I, yeah, yeah, I couldn't do it, but maybe. Okay. Um, I'm really excited to see The Hand of God, which is um on Netflix and it's a Paolo Sorrentino movie. It's new. Um, oh. And yeah, that's like first on my list. I Power of the Dog is first on my list because I did start watching it when I was in Michigan and then all these things happened that prevented me from watching it, but I watched the first 9 minutes of it and mm-hmm. I was just like glued to the screen. Um so I'm excited to go back to that world because I love a Western, love me some Jesse Plemons, um, mm. and I love Kirsten Dunst. So Kirsten Dunst, I think, should be the patron saint of our podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. I love it. I I'm for it. I would not recommend Don't Look Up. Okay. Um, I was really looking forward to it. And I love Adam McKay. And this is the first thing I've not liked from Adam McKay. And the premise is great. It's, it, it's a little, you know, it's sort of got idiocracy vibes. It, it's got everybody in it, all the people we love. It's got Meryl, it's got Kate Blanchett, and Jonah Hill, gotta say, I'm becoming a huge fan of his, of his. Um, but the pacing is all messed up. And um, it's weird. I mean, if you like all those actors or you like Adam McKay or you're interested, go ahead. But I was really looking forward to it and I was super disappointed. Oh, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Want to wrap it up? Uh-huh. Thank you, Wohos, for joining us on this bonus episode. It means the world of horror to us, truly. We want to wish you a new year of health and wealth, however you measure that and lots of fulfilling film-watching experiences. 
If you would like to watch along with us, next time, Mac and I will be looking at our picks for the slasher genre. We will be looking at Bodum slash Lake Bodum from Finland and the first four episodes of season four of Slasher Flesh and Blood from Canada. Next, next time, we will finish out Slasher and look at Dream Home from Hong Kong. On behalf of Mac and Quinn, I'm Mom. Remember, we love you and don't go into the basement.